two signed contracts, thousand bucks a month. So you can call it 2000 bucks in MRR signed, hoping to scale in 2023. You've sold 20% of the company twice, $500,000 pre-seed at a 2 million and another million on a seed round earlier this year at a 5 million valuation. You said you're raising now. What are you guys targeting? We're targeting uh, 10 million years in this round. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Alan Evans. He's got 15 years experience in the tech industry and has a strong passion for building teams that create products to solve real problems. He was previously CEO at Share3D.io, CTO of BodyPal, and director of Barcelona World Race The Game. He's got a PhD in medical physics from the University of College London. Alan, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's go. All right. You're now building Freeverse.io, which is effectively uh, this concept called living assets. NFT 2.0 is what you're calling it. What does that mean? Yeah, um, I think what's really interesting we've seen in, in 2021 is how the NFT space has exploded, right? It's heading for like 20 billion in, in market cap uh, in this year, I think from a few hundred million last year. And uh, it's great. We're, we're really excited to see that there's been so much of an explosion in the space. But I think a lot of the value with current generation NFTs are based on the speculation about how rare they are. And at Freebus, when we founded the company three years ago, um, what we were really interested in is how we could generate NFTs that would actually have value based on how they are used. So how the user can actually interact with those NFTs and affect their value and therefore drive up the price. And so that they can buy and sell for something that's not just speculation. Mm-hmm. So give me your top use case right now. Tell the story of a customer using you guys and it's worked exactly how you hoped it would. Yeah. So actually, we're very excited. We're launching our platform to production uh, next month with our first client, which is a small uh, marketplace in Ibiza, the, uh, the Mediterranean uh, island of Ibiza. And uh, we're very excited. We're signing a couple of deals. Unfortunately, I can't announce who they are. We're signing a couple of deals, one for a huge um, uh, event uh, in February next year, and also one with some super big IP uh, based over celebrity IP in the United States. So we're really excited about, uh, about that and, and see how that goes. You've had three years incubating this, all pre-revenue. So it begs the question, how did you fund your personal rent, food, things like that? Um, yeah, so we were we were lucky. Um, so both myself and most importantly, my co-founder, Tony Mateos, had previous startup experience. Um, and we had a quite an extensive network of angels. And so we went to uh, them. We've raised two funding rounds so far. We're in the middle of our third funding round right now. Um, and we went to our, our network of angels and, and pitched them a, a great idea to, to really to really transform an industry. And I think, so I think what's that? really important about... When, when was that first round? The first round was in 2019. Okay. Uh, the second round was earlier this year. And now with the boom with NFTs, we're seeing a great interest from investors now. So we're sort of in the middle of, of raising our third round now. So that 2019 round, how much did you raise there? We raised half a million. So we're in Europe. Okay. And so typically the initial angel rounds in Europe are much smaller than perhaps you're accustomed to in the States. Uh, so we raised half a million from angel investors. Then we raised just under a million uh, earlier on this year. Now in this round, we're going for slightly something bigger. So, mm-hmm. And so um, w- walk me through, you know, when you raise that first round of capital, uh, what, what's the story sound like? Is it the same same story you're telling today in your new funding round? Uh, it's very similar. The difference is now we have, we have a, a product and we have a platform. Um, we have 
clients contracts that are signed we have people that are going to use them right um and i think it's really interesting when you're raising money pre-revenue um because you don't have you know the standard kpis and the metrics and and the revenue that and the growth that, that investors like to see however i think a lot of investors especially um sharp investors um what they're really interested in is vision right and if you have a vision that you are going to change the world, right? Then that's, uh, and it sounds a bit trite, right? To be watching too many reruns of Silicon Valley, perhaps on uh, other television. But if you have a vision that you are going to change the world and that vision is coherent and you're a strong team, then that's something that investors like to see. And that's something I think that's been reflected in the, in the success we found raising money so far. And so how is the team structured? How many co-founders do you guys have? Uh, we're four co-founders. Um, so I'm CEO. Um, my, the CTO, our CTO is Tony Mateos, who's an absolute genius, 30 patents to his name. A uh, very intelligent guy and also a very, very charismatic guy as well. So, um, and then joining us as our head of engineering is Alessandro. He's a real uh, blockchain expert. And uh, Ferran Estalea is our, our chief operating officer who's got a lot of experience in managing large teams as well. So we're quite a strong funding team. And obviously, if you be- believe you're building something big, yeah, you want capital to execute that vision, but you also want to be smart about ownership and dilution. So when you thought about that 500K pre-seed back in 2019, how did you structure that in terms of cap? How much of the company did you sell? Yeah, around about 20%. So we tried to structure every single of the rounds following the standards, you know, diluting 20%. I think it's very difficult when you're when you are raising in a situation like that and you're pre-revenue. Um, you it, it's very difficult to control that level of, of how much you dilute because obviously you want to raise more money to give you more runway. Um, but the more obviously the more you raise, um, you know, it's very difficult to negotiate a high valuation for the company when you're when you're raising so much money when you don't have that revenue. So it's something we've mind. Um Again, for this round that we're raising right now, it's, it's going to follow a similar, uh, similar, similar structure. I think um, the difference is now. Um, really, we have a product, we have clients that are signed. Um, we're launching. We have a roadmap, and most importantly, uh, perhaps, perhaps most luckily, we're in one of the hottest spaces in investment uh, right now, which is the NFT space. So um, we're very lucky in that sense. You said customers are signed. How many customers have signed? Yeah, we've got two clients signed up right now. Um, uh, one of which is this uh, this uh, client in Ibiza, which is one of the one of the major universities who are interested in living assets for for educate for tracking educational um, uh, progress and and how and your professional training. So one of the larger universities in the states has signed up with us. And how are so you we're charging just thinking, these guys? Mm, so we have a really interesting revenue model where we charge. Uh, it's quite simple in maximum money sense. We charge a, a monthly fee. Uh, based on the number of NFTs that are launched, that are, are, are launched within that the universe for the client, and also commission on the trades for each um, sale of those NFTs on our platform. I see. Okay, so what is the subscription fee? Uh, you know, average these two contracts together on average. What are they paying per month? Um, it depends entirely on how many NFTs they launch. So let me give you a, an example, right? So if if uh, um, a client were to come and launch like a thousand NFTs, they would pay like um, hundred years a month. So very low sub- initial subscription. But that scales very quickly. So if they're you know, launching with a million NFTs. And the advantage of our platform is that it's the advantage of our living asset NFTs that we don't want them to be valued just by how rare they are. We don't want them to be these exclusive, expensive things. What we want them to be is that they can essentially be given away for very low cost or for free and then evolved and upgraded, if you like, by the users. So if you imagine Kid State where you have like a million NFTs uh, being being created and out there in the in the in the universe, and that would be several hundred thousand uh, euros of recurring revenue a month in the in the monthly subscription. But um, you know, it really depends also as well how much of those NFTs are traded because a lot of our revenue predictions come on forecasts of how much those revenues we tra- how much those NFTs will be traded. So that's quite an interesting duopoly between that recurring revenue and and the commission in the marketplace. 
many of you guys listening have built incredible SaaS tools to help other founders, specific industries, really get value or make some system easier. The problem is you can't help your clients until they import some portion of their data. And you've considered on your Trello board and your Sprint timelines, spending weeks building a CSV importer for certain data sets. You're spying right now because you know I'm right. And either you do it and you waste engineering time or you don't do it and your customers have a horrible time getting onboarded. And listen, let's face the facts. Your ability to give value to your customers sometimes is very dependent on their ability to get you their data. Once you have the data, everything is really smooth. Well, this exact problem probably explains why FlatFile is growing so quick. They've raised over $44 million and they do exactly this. The data onboarding platform for your marketing teams, your engineering teams, they enable you to get usable data faster so you can focus on what matters most to your business. And the fastest growing companies like my friend ClickUp, Zeb, multi-billion dollar valuation, they all use FlatFile. Now, FlatFile reached out, they wanted to sponsor. I said, you got a good deal for us? And they do. For anyone listening, any anyone that's part of the top entrepreneurs community or get latka you can get a deal now to get started today at nathanlatka.com forward slash flat file and they make it so easy by the way their onboarding is beautiful you don't have to commit to a bunch of stuff you can actually see a demo live instantly right now check it out nathanlatka.com forward slash flat file Yeah, I'm trying to get a capture a sense of how big these first sort of contracts are. So between the two of them, how many total NFTs did they basically sign and say, yes, I want to pay for this many thousands of NFTs? So they'll both be developing NFTs when, as they go off. So the, to start off with, they'll be launching a few thousand NFTs. Um, the provisions for the contracts we're signing now uh, for, to launch next year are to launch you know, several hundreds of thousands of NFTs. So that would be a much, much larger escalation. Uh, Alan, I know, but, but the two signed today, that's what I'm trying to get at. So mm-hmm. the two signed today, yeah. though, they're starting with like two, 3,000, it sounds like 4,000 NFTs, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. Okay, got it. So that means each of these contract values are something like $1,000 a month, 150 yeah, bucks for 1,000 employees. I see. Well, but but no, it's not that they're low or high. I mean, this is a big deal that you got your first two, you know, basically customer contract signed. This is a massive moment. Um, I'm curious just to hear how you think about scaling. So when you look at your revenue projections, um, do you think more revenue growth is going to come from the original trade of the NFT, the creation of the NFT, or on effectively the fees as those NFTs are traded? That's a really great question. That's a really great question. I think um, it's really important to separate in the NFT space that first-hand trade versus second-hand trade. Um, from our perspective as Freeverse, uh, we charge a commission on every trade on our marketplace, whether it's the whether it's a, a, a new drop, a new mint of an NFT, or whether it's a trade in the secondhand marketplace. Um, I think what's really interesting in the what is that fee, Alan? So that's uh, depending on the client. That usually is varies between four and six percent. Okay, got it, got it. And who's setting the initial value of the NFT? That's the client, one hundred percent. So they decide so, what at what cost they want to sell it at. Got it. So if they decide they want to sell at like a penny, you're getting four to six percent of a penny. Yeah, but they also get uh, you know the you know ninety five percent of a penny as well. So it's in their interest to to try and sell that price, or maybe in their interest to give it away for free, right? To allow those users to upgrade that NFT, so the value goes up, and then you're incentivizing the secondhand trading market. I see. I see. So what would the university use case be where they meant a bunch of NFTs last year and now it's 2023? What's the use case where an NFT is essentially swapping hands? Yeah, it's, it's a super, super interesting use case because there there is no trading. So there is a completely different business model that we're negotiating with them, which is more based on a, on a, on a, on a SaaS model, a, a monthly revenue model or revenue share model. Um, so their, their idea and their vision is, is that the NFT should um, 
is is non-transferable. It gets assigned to you uniquely when you sign up for a course, right, or sign up at a at a university, and that that over your professional career, the the value of the NFT automatically degrades, or the level of the NFT automatically degrades as you naturally start forgetting what you've learned. So, how do you top up your learning when you go back and study or you attend online courses? And that I think addresses a really huge market there in terms of not just university in the academic domain, but also things like um, the uh, the professional training in the medical world, the engineering world, the legal world. And I think there is a a huge uh, opportunity there that's been untapped for really proving imagine for example you know i have a phd in medical physics um i did that 20 years ago uh, and to be honest i haven't gone back into the field for a while and so my linkedin profile says i have a phd and yet what do i know about medical physics today in the modern world very little right and so that should be reflected in some sort of way of tracking my knowledge in that had i been attending conferences and publishing papers and doing more professional training i could have kept that level and topped up that level of my academic records so that's something i, I think that's uh, that's a really interesting use case that's assuming the universities are giving you skills that are valued in the marketplace today, which I would that argue would assume, is rare. Yeah. More and more well, rare. That's, a, that's an argument to the debate. But I th also, I think it's not just universities. There's also executive education. It's professional training in various other fields, as we mentioned, medicine and engineering and, and the legal firm. Fair. There are you know, medicines are actually, doctors are actually required to carry on the professional training. And that's done in a very ad hoc way right now. And I think there's, a, there's an opportunity there to... Understood. But two signed contracts, thousand bucks a month. So you can call it two thousand bucks in MRR signed, hoping to scale in twenty twenty three. You've sold twenty percent of the company twice, five hundred thousand dollar pre seed at a two million and another million on a seed round earlier this year at a five million valuation. You said you're raising now. What are you guys targeting? We're targeting uh, ten million years in this round. At, at what valuation? Uh, again, so you can do the, the valuation is yet to be determined, but you can do the math, right? So if we're targeting 10 million euros at a, at a, uh, and want to dilute by 20%, then the valuation would be around about 40 million, but we're still, are still in debate with the, with the VCs. How do you, how does your brain like wrap around that? Right. I mean, you have 24,000 bucks in ARR. So if you just calculate and do this pure on, on science, right. And math, right. That would be a multiple out of $40 million. I mean, that's a just insane multiple. So what your answer is going to be is, well, Nathan, it's a big vision, which is fine, but you're also like rapidly decreasing your optionality in terms of an exit because you have to grow above that before you guys can get any liquidity at the end. So like, how do you, how do you balance all that? Yeah, I think it's true. And I think um, that's that's a really good point. It's a really good question. It's something we debated with ourselves, um, whether to raise money now or raise money later. I think ultimately it comes down to what we want to do and what the opportunity is. I, I do think that we have an opportunity to make, um, to introduce something that's really, really groundbreaking and different in the field. Um, could we do that without having that capital? Uh, well, it will be more difficult and it will be slower and we may not get there in time. We may be beaten there. So it's a case of like, okay, well, do we want to shoot for the moon or do we want to play it conservatively? And in this case, uh, we're considering shooting for the moon. Uh, nothing's signed yet, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, what's the team size today? How many people? We're only about nine or 10 people working at the moment, so it's still very small. 10 people. So how do you spend a million? You just raised a million bucks earlier this year. Where's all that money gone? Why do you need to go raise another 10 million now? Um, we don't necessarily need to raise another 10 million. We still have plenty of runway left with our team size. Um, the question is more, well, it's not whether we whether we need to raise the money, it's whether we want to raise the money and whether we think it's a good time to raise the money. Um, now, I think it, it is a good time to raise the money. The market is hot, especially in the NFT space right now. And um, with the contracts that we're signing with with much larger clients for next year with with provisions of with predictions, sorry, of, of multi-million dollars of revenue, um, then we need to scale a team in order to support that, right? 
And um, also, bear in mind, we've done zero marketing, really next to zero marketing. And so we really need to scale that marketing side, that marketing aspect of the company to bring the message of Freebus out to the to the, the wider masses and try and get that vision of living assets out there in the market. Yeah. And that's something that we can only do with more capital, really. Yeah. Alan, we're out of time. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is probably uh, the first Lord of the Rings book. Sounds like a geek, but there I am. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, there are many CEOs I'm following and studying. I must admit, many of them are in the of the fellow CEOs of the uh, of the the funds that invested in us in our second round. Uh, but uh, not a specific name that I can say off the top of my head. No. Number three, what's your favorite tool for building the business? Wow, that's a great that's a great question. Um, I'm a tech guy and it sounds really silly. So one of my favorite tools is Jira. I, I put everything in Jira. I put my product roadmaps in there. I put my deal pipelines in there. I put everything in Jira. I can't get away from it. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Quite a lot. I sleep quite well. I sleep a, a solid seven or eight hours every night and I'm pretty, pretty happy with that. I'm, I enjoy my sleep. And what's your situation, Alan? Married, single kids? I am married with a beautiful wife and I have one beautiful daughter who I both love very, very much. I love that. Okay. One kiddo. How old are you? I'm 42 years old at the moment. 42. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? God, that's a great question. I wish I, if I could tell myself as a 20 year old, what I, then I wish I could tell him to um, focus a bit more and uh, stop enjoying mucking around on his bicycle and going out playing in the mountains and focus a little bit more because uh, if you focus on things, you can get things done. And that's something I've definitely learned in the last decade. Guys, freeburst.io got going in 2018. Think of it like living assets, living NFTs that can be transferred or in some cases not transferred, but degrade over time if they're tied to an, ac uh, you know, an academic or a piece of knowledge that you learned or taught yourself. They raised 500,000 bucks on $2 million valuation back in 2019 to power the initial version. Now signed two customer contracts. They're charging 150 bucks per 1,000 NFTs you plan to sort of put into the world. They're signed again with those two customers looking to bring on you know four, five, six more over the next quarter or two as they look to th uh, think about their Series A round, maybe raise 10 million on a 40, but we will see. Alan, thank you for taking us to the top. That's great. Thanks very much, Nathan. I appreciate it.